0: السلام عليكم alaykum الله وبركاته. يقول الله جل وعلا في كتابه الكريم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محجثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أعظنا الله وإياكم منها أجمعين أما بعد Dear brothers and sisters Imam al-Bukhari رحمه الله تعالى Records a hadith in which the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, May you really love who be he din, what in never an a wallahu yoti walen tezala habihi lu matu ka imatan ala amri la la yaduru hum and khalefa hum hakta yatiya amullah. Sadakarasullah, he saw the law, Alaihi He says, for whomsoever Allah desires good, He gives that person a deep understanding of the religion. He says, I am but a distributor and it is Allah who gives. This ummah shall remain upholding the command of Allah and they will not be harmed by those who oppose them until the Affair of Allah comes, meaning the Day of Judgment. The Prophet describes himself here as Qasim, as a distributor, distributing and giving what Allah has given him, and this meaning is applicable in all aspects of the Prophet's life And he has given this Ummah and humanity so much And we could never repay the Prophet ﷺ, neither through material nor through spiritual repayment. There's nothing to give to actually repay the great gift of receiving guidance from the means of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. And the Messenger of Allah ﷺ does not ask for any repayment. Allah has emphasized in the Quran in many places how all of the Prophets emphasize to their people that they don't ask for any payment. They don't ask for a wage for conveying the revelation of Allah. In the Quran, in Surah Al-Shura, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells his beloved sallallahu alayhi لَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ أَجْرًا إِلَّا الْمَوَدَّةَ فِي القربة. He said, say, I do not ask for any wage for this, any repayment for this, except for one thing, except for Al fil Except that you have love and respect for my kin, my family, this is what the Prophet وسلم, has asked of this Ummah that we love them and respect them, not for their own sake, but for the sake of who their grandfather and their father was. And this refers to the Ahlul Bayt. And it is from the Aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah to have love and respect for the Ahlul Bayt in general. But who are the Ahlul Bayt? The ulama have lots of discussions about the identity of the family of the Prophet. Who are they? And there are many different views. And we can summarize all of those views by saying that the family of the Prophet, the Ahlul Bayt or Alul Bayt, are like concentric circles. You have the outer circle, which includes, according to some ulama, Banu Hashim. Banu Abdul Muttalib, Banu Aqeel, and some even say all of Quraysh and Banu Abbas and Banu Ja'far. These are, this is the broad circle of the Ahl-Bayt according to some scholars. Then you have the narrower, smaller circle which includes the wives and offsprings of the Prophet وسلم, the Ummahatul Mu'mineen and their children and then you have the inner core the inner circle of the Alul bayt and this inner circle is also called Ahlul Kisa or those of the cloak and this is referred to in a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi and the Ahlul Kisa or the inner core Ibn Abbas anhuma, said that when this verse was revealed some of the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, who are the ones we must love? And he answered by mentioning Ali and Fatima and their children Imam Hassan and Hussain. This is the inner circle, the Ahlul Kisa, And it is mentioned in the seerah of the Prophet wasalam, that when some of the Christian priests of Najran in Southern Arabia came to Medina, the Prophet ﷺ was giving them da'wah, calling them to Islam. And they were being stubborn and obstinate in their claims. And Allah Ta'ala ordered the Prophet Sallallahu to challenge these Christian priests. To challenge them to what we call a Mubahala. A Mubahala is when you have two sides. One side is true, the other side is false. One side is speaking truth, the other is speaking falsehood. And both sides accept this challenge to invoke the curse of Allah upon whichever of the two is not telling the truth. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala revealed in the Quran, telling the Prophet wasallam to challenge these priests to a mubahara. ثُمَّ نَبَتَهِلْ فَنَجَعَلْ لِعْنَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْكَاذِبِينَ Allah reveals, if they continue to obstinately argue with you and oppose after the truth has been revealed and has come to you, then say to them, come, let us call our children, and you can call your children. And let us call our women folk, and you call your women folk. And we call ourselves, and you call yourselves, and let us all invoke the curse of Allah upon the liar. When this ayah was revealed, the ayah of Mubahala, the Prophet gathered Ali, Fatima, Hassan, and Hussain, and he wrapped them in his kisab, his cloak, and he said, this is the inner core of the family of the Prophet وسلم, The daughter of the Prophet وسلم, his cousin, the husband of his daughter, his son-in-law, and their two children, Imam Hassan and Hussein, radiyallahu anhum wa ansaat al-Sahabati Ajma'im. May Allah be pleased with all of them and all of the companions. So, among this inner core, we have the story of Imam Hussein. And it's often talked about in this month of Ashura that we're in. And so we take this t- opportunity to speak about him in particular. One of the blessed pillars of the prophetic household, the Alul Bayt, is one of the two grandsons of the Prophet ﷺ, Imam, Imam Hussain, who is the son of Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib, and the son of Sayyidah Fatima Az-Zahra, Imam Hussein, the little handsome one, as it means, was born in the month of Sha'ban, four years after the Hijra to Medina. He was given the name Hussein by his grandfather, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And on the seventh day after his birth, the Prophet gave an amount of silver in charity equal to the weight of his hair. And he asked to be shown his grandson, saying, "Show me my son." And Imam Hussein received the aqiqah, the newborn ceremony, from his grandfather, sallallahu He received the tahniq, where the date is moistened and placed in his palate, from the saliva of his grandfather, sallallahu And so Imam Hussein, along with his brother Imam Hassan, grew up witnessing the states of his of their grandfather witnessing his guidance, his truthfulness, his character, his devotion. They grew up watching their father, Imam Ali and witnessing the chastity and purity and excellence of their mother, Sayyidina Fatima. Here you have Imam Hussein, a direct descent from the Prophet His grandfather is the Messenger of Allah the first pair of eyes to gaze upon him upon birth were that of his grandfather His father Imam Ali was among the bravest of the Ummah who slept soundly on the night of the Hijrah as assassins were waiting to come in and assassinate the Prophet And he is the son of whom the Prophet called Sayyidatu al Alameen The leader of all the women in the, in the world. The Nisa' of all the women, the, the leader of all the women, as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam described his daughter. He is the son of the woman about whom the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said Bid'atun Minni She is a piece of me, a morsel of me. He is the son of this blessed woman, who most resembles the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, in character and in form. In one hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi said that Hassan and Hussein are Shababi شباب Jannah. They are the two leaders of the youth in Paradise. In another narration, he says, "Hussein wa min Hussain. Hussein is from me and I am from Hussein. What is he saying here? Is he just saying that this is his grandson? That's obvious. Everyone knows that Imam Hussein is the grandson of the Prophet ﷺ. It must mean more than a statement of fact. It means more. It means that he is described as being among those closest to the Prophet ﷺ in his character and in his ways. And just as their grandfather was tested, as all of the Prophets are tested, the family of the Prophet were tested severely, particularly Imam Hussain. Imam Hussain lost his grandfather as a young boy. And then he lost his mother six months after the passing of his grandfather. And then some years later, his father Imam Ali was assassinated by an extremist. And then sometime shortly after that, his brother Imam Hassan was poisoned by his enemies. So Imam Hussein lived in a time of great turmoil and great fitna, prophesized by the Messenger of Allah He had to bury his grandfather, he had to bury his father, he had to bury his mother, he had to bury his brother, meaning he had to witness all of these tragedies in his young life and after his brother was killed things only got worse because during his time and after his time there were numerous companions who were killed for speaking out against tyranny There were tyrant rulers the prophet sallallahu have prophesies tyrant rulers who waged battle even in medina tyrant rulers who even surrounded Mecca and assaulted it. And during and after this time, these oppressive rulers were even altering aspects of the deen, and anyone who would speak out would simply disappear in the night. bil Bariha. Things don't change with tyrants. And it was in this deeply troubled time of tyranny that Imam Hussein was tested. When Yazid became the ruler, Imam Hussein was threatened to pledge his loyalty to Yazid. But Imam Hussein was a symbol of truth and justice and principles over power, whereas Yazid was really a symbol of falsehood and tyranny. And Hussein knew that given his rank and position, he could not put his hand in the hand of Yazid and pledge loyalty. And that even if he attempted to make peace, it would only be a matter of time before they would plot against him and kill him, because his mere existence was a threat to tyrants. It is narrated that one of the envoys of Yazid came to Medina to go to Imam Hussein and demand that he pledge the loyalty to Yazid. And Hussein replied, Yazid, the drunken gambler, this corrupt individual, one like me does not put his hand in the hand of a person like that. He made his decision. Imam Hussein did not want conflict, he wanted peace, but he wanted justice as well. And so when we talk about the life of Imam Hussein and his trials and tribulations, It's impossible to summarize everything in a single khutbah. So, we mention the brief points about his life and the lessons we can derive from them. Imam Hussein, after this, had to leave Medina. Due to this imminent threat against him, he had to gather his belongings and his family and supporters to leave Medina. So he headed to Mecca with his family and followers and remained there for about four months. You see, he was not seeking a fight. One of the reasons he left Mecca was to prevent bloodshed. He was looking after the greater interest of the ummah in avoiding added conflict. So he went to Mecca and remained there for around four months. And while he was there, he was receiving messages from people in Kufa some individuals in Kufa were saying, we support you against him, come out to Kufa, we will support you. We will give you a place to be among us, a safe place. And so he was thinking about going to Kufa and he sent his cousin Muslim Ibn aqil to go to Kufa ahead of him to make sure that this invitation was genuine. And he was packing and preparing to go seeking to go to a place where he would not have to deal with the tyranny of Yazid. But his cousin Muslim Ibn Aqil has traveled ahead of him. And by the time his cousin and his entourage of some 30 or so men reach the area, they are immediately intercepted by the new governor appointed, Ubaidullah Ibn Ziyad. They were basically detained and Muslim Ibn Aqil knew what was coming. There was no phone, there was no internet, there was no telegram, there was no way to get a message all the way from Kufa to Mecca to warn Imam Hussein ahead of time. And he knew that it was only a matter of time before Imam Hussein would make his way for Kufa. He knew what was coming and he began to weep. Imam Hussein departed and he made his way to Kufa. And as he drew closer, he realized what was happening. He realized he had been betrayed and that the very same people pledging to support him were the very first people to double cross him and basically violate their promises. So he reached this area and he tried to change his route to avoid the conflict, but there were some 1,000 soldiers under the command of a person named Hurr bin Yazid who intercepted Imam Hussein. And when this happened, it was a bit of a stalemate and because of them being in the hot sun in the desert eventually the troops of Hurr bin Yazid ran out of water and it's narrated that as these troops were running out of water and dying of thirst Imam Hussein, instructed his followers to take some of their reserve water supplies and bring them to those forces of Hurr bin Yazid. Think about this these are misguided confused muslims who are being used to oppress the grandson of the prophet ﷺ. they have their weapons in hand to oppress him and to even stop him and kill him yet he gives them water to save their lives such is the character of imam hussein imam hussein was around was around was about 72 people with him in this journey including his family members and followers and in the story they were eventually surrounded and there was nowhere to go and the proverbial drum beats of war began to sound off and the battle ensued and the followers of Imam Hussein were slain one by one and eventually except for his family and a few others he was basically alone standing before his enemies, wounded from multiple places, wounded and bloody and he was eventually surrounded by his would-be killers. As he was surrounded, one of the wretched individuals in the command, shimr bin Di shouted at the troops, telling them to behead Imam Hussain And he was martyred, he was killed by those following the orders of a tyrant and Shibir who ordered the assassination, the murder, traveled with the head of Imam Hussein to Sham to present the head just as the head of Prophet Yahya was presented to the tyrants of Bani Israel when he was also killed. Now 17 people from the family of the Prophet ﷺ were murdered on that day along with Imam Hussein. His sister Zainab was captured and paraded in front of the court of Yazid. She stood her ground, she spoke truth and said what had to be said. Now, dear brothers and sisters, this is the highly condensed executive summary of a very lengthy story that we call the story of the martyrdom of Imam Hussein and there are lots of details, and there are lots of historical accounts, and there's lots of ambiguity as well, because there's so many narrations. We want to look at not those finer details of who did what and when and how, but we want to look at the greater lesson it gives us. So the question we should be asking ourselves regarding the martyrdom of Imam Hussein is this, in all that ensued, who really won who really lost? Outwardly, one must say that Yazid and his forces won. But in standing up for truth, Imam Hussein kept lit the flame of justice, of love, of sacrifice, and principles over power for this Ummah. So ultimately, Imam Hussein was the victor in this struggle. It is narrated. That as Imam Hussain was facing his enemies there at Karbala and denied water, he stood there shortly before he was killed and he recited the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Suratul ahzab In this chapter, Allah ta'ala reveals, مِنَ الْمُؤْدِنِينَ رِجَانٌ صَدَقُ مَا عَاهَدُ اللَّهَ عَلَيْهِ فَمِنْهُم مَنْ قَضَى نَحْبَهُ وَمِنْهُم مَنْ يَنْتَظِرُ وَمَا بَدَّلْ تَبْدِيلًا He recited the verse on that fated day, "...among the believers are men who were truthful in their covenant to Allah. Among them are those who have already gone forward." Meaning they were martyred. "...and among them are those who are still waiting, and they have not changed or altered their way in the least." Dear brothers and sisters, this is not a sectarian issue. It is an issue of truth, it is an issue of justice, of standing up for principles even if all of the odds are against one. And so when we look at the struggle of Imam Hussein and his martyrdom, the great lesson we derive from it is that although it may appear outwardly that Yazid won and the oppressors won, ultimately Imam Hussein was the winner, because victory Is not just in the dunya. Victory is what extends for all of eternity. And this is the victory of principles over power and oppression. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instill us with these lessons so that we understand the value of principles over convenience, principles and truth over changing things and altering things for power and prestige and dunya. May Allah keep these values within our hearts and enable us to benefit from this story in a way that transforms us and allows us to see things as they should be. Ameen. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa rabbil salati wa atamu taslimi ala sayyidina Muhammadin al-Sadiq al-Ameen. Dear brothers and sisters, what do we learn from the story of the martyrdom of Imam Hussein? Let us begin by saying, first and foremost, that for us, the day of Ashura, the 10th of Muharram, is actually a day of joy. It's not a day of sadness. It's not a day of wailing or anything of the sort. It is actually a day of joy. Because the day of Ashura, the 10th of Muharram, marks the day when Allah Ta'ala rescued Musa and Bani Israel from another tyrant, Fir'aun. So when we fast on the day of Ashura, it is not a fast commemorating anything to do with Imam Hussein. But we remember the event because it coincides. So ultimately, the day of Ashura is a day of joy, not a day of sadness. And we look at the story of Imam Hussein in the big picture. The Maqtal of Imam Hussein, the day which he was killed, was also a day of victory for him. It was a day of victory for truth over falsehood. It was a day of victory for principles over hypocrisy and cowardice. Imam Hussain was not craving and seeking after leadership. What kind of seat would he need to seek? The seat of Imam Hussein, the maq'ad of Imam Hussein, was a maqad u It was a seat of truthfulness. Was he going to seek the maq'ad, the seat of power belonging to Yazid? That's the seat underneath a river of blood flows. He had no reason to seek that because he already had leadership. He already had what he needed. The Prophet ﷺ said about him, Hussein Minni wa min Hussein. Hussein is from me and I am from Hussein. So if you love the Prophet, ﷺ, well you automatically love Imam Hussein. He was already a leader. Imam Hussein was already a leader. Because the Prophet ﷺ said that Hussein is <coughs> Sayyid al-Shababi Ahlul Jannah. He's a leader of the youth in Jannah. He's already a leader. So he's not seeking after power. He's seeking after truth. He's seeking to preserve the fragile unity of the Muslims, but not by sacrificing truth for the sake of an outward unity that required the sacrifice of truth. Anyone who reflects on the life and the events surrounding Imam Hussein and what happened on the day of Karbala, on the day of Ashura, will get a very deep insight into the nature of this world. Haqiqatul Dunya, the reality of this lower world. They will gain deep insights into the reality of the Akhirah and which one is to be prioritized over the other. The story of Imam Hussein Imam will give one deep insight into the reality of evil, the reality of power, and the reality of Tawheed, and trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at the story of, of Imam Yazid, and how he was betrayed, and how he was so ruthlessly killed. You can barely come up with a more disastrous and evil event, the massacre, and killing of so many of the nearest and dearest of the household of the Prophet including children. You can hardly come up with a more in-your-face example of bad guys winning. Because on the surface, the bad guys won. On the surface, the bad guys won at the end of the day and the good guys lost. But that is the limited surface, that is a limited understanding looking only at the material, at the physical, the vahim, But on the scale of eternity, and not the scale of dunya, who was the real winner, and who was the real loser? The dunya, how long are you going to live? 80, 90, 100 years? What does 80, 90, 100 years compare to all of eternity, infinitude? There's no comparison. So the real winner was Imam Hussain The surface is very different from the reality. And you have to take that lesson and apply it to all the evil you see in the world. Look around you. Look what's going on around the world. It seems like evil is winning. The Prophet said, that this is going to be the case. That there will be no generation Except that the generation after it will be worse off. Does evil win in the end? It depends on your perspective. If you have the perspective of the Quran, Allah has given you the answer. The end result is in favor of those who are God-fearing. Victory is not determined by the surface level things that happen in dunya. Victory is determined by the ultimate outcome that unfolds for all of eternity in the hereafter. We see in the hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari that when the Prophet ﷺ was taken on the journey of the Isra, and Mi'raj, in the Mi'raj he saw a Prophet who had with him a small group of 9 to 11 people. And then he said, I saw a Prophet who had one or two followers. And then he says, وَرَأَيْتُ wa وَلَيْسَ مَعَهُ أَحَدٌ I saw a prophet who had not a single follower. If we only go by the surface, did those prophets succeed? On the day of judgment, there are certain prophets that will be resurrected and they will only have three or four followers. Did they fail? They did not fail, they won. But on the surface, If a person only looks at it from the dunya perspective, they would say, well, they only got 3 or 4 followers, did they really succeed? But that's not our scale dear brothers and sisters. The scale given to us by Allah and by His Messenger, the scale that was enacted, lived by Imam Persaid, was that scale of ultimate truth and the realities that unfold into the hereafter. Victory is determined on the Day of Judgment. Numbers, popularity, material gain, all of these things in themselves are not a sign of truth or support. And when you look at what Imam Hussein and his family endured in this troubling time, when you look at how they suffered at Karbala, it makes you realize the immense loads they carried and the great burdens that they bore. And when you understand what they sacrificed, it will help you patiently endure the burdens you bear in life. Because there's nothing we're going to bear that can ever compare to the burdens bore by Imam Hussain and his family. If there's anybody with this shallow attitude of, oh, my life stinks, then let them look at the brutally hard times that Imam Hussain and his family endured. It is a very powerful reminder and perspective that we should have. And lastly, dear brothers and sisters, you talk about people, rulers, oppressors, the Yazids of the world, understand that it's not just a person, it's an attitude, it's an archetype. There are all sorts of oppressors and tyrants across the world, and therefore there are many Yazid-like figures in human history. And when we defy the commands of Allah Ta'ala. When we refuse the judgments of Allah Ta'ala in our own lives, we are behaving in a very Yazidi manner by objecting or refusing the commands of Allah Ta'ala. But when we obey Allah Ta'ala and we embrace the demands and commands of Allah, we are Husaini in that regard. And to be Husaini is nothing more than to be Muhammad, like his grandfather وسلم, who conveyed the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these lessons endure. We use the month of Muharram to remember them, but they are lessons that last well beyond this month. They are lessons that should always be in the forefront of our minds. The scale of the hereafter being the scale by which we judge what goes on in our lives. Truth, over, power, politics, and convenience, principles over power. May Allah make us people of principles over power. May He make us people of truth over falsehood. May He make us people who really understand the true Mizan, the Mizan of the Akhir, the scale of the hereafter. And may He make us among those who weigh our actions and understand what's going on in the world through that scale of the hereafter, looking at the big picture, how things ultimately unfold and how everything shall be judged by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ameen. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina nar. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin abdika wa rasulika an nabiyyi ummi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa saddim وَسَلِّمْ تَسْلِيمًا كَثِيرًا بِقَدْرِ عَظَمَةِ ذَاتِكَ فِي كُلِّ وَقْتٍ وَحِيلٍ سُبْحَانَ رَبِّكَ رَبِّ الْعِزَّةِ عَمَّا يَصِفُونَ وَسَلَامٌ عَلَى الْمُرْسَلِينَ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَقُومُوا إِلَى صَأَتِكُمْ يَرْحَمُوا اللَّهِ